from the people that brought you unwrapping one, two, and three comes the most epic unwrapping of them all. Unwrapping four, the wrapping. Just when you thought it was safe to buy DVDs and Blu-rays, they sit on your shelf waiting day after day, year after year, watching as you watch Halloween for the hundredth time. Then the day comes when the wrapped becomes the unwrapped. Unwrapping part four on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer everybody it's time for another episode of attack of the killer podcast i am your host insane mike and this is episode 230th unwrapping (laughs) part four what is an unwrapping episode you may ask it's more than just an episode where we couldn't think of a topic it's a very (laughs) special episode where each of us pick a movie out of our collection that we have never opened and we watch it for this episode Here at Attack of the Killer Podcast, we specialize in horror movies. Not that we're horror horror movie experts, uh, we're just really good at watching stuff. (laughs) I'm not even good at that. (laughs) (laughs) We are a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together, we pick a topic, we discuss movies within that topic. We hang out, we talk horror, we have a good time. It may get a little crazy up in here, so be warned. There may be spoilers. If you want more Attack of the Killer podcast in your life, you can become an attacker. An attacker is an official supporter of Attack of the Killer podcast. Being an attacker gets you all kinds of extra perks. You can get your very own official membership card and certificate, shout-outs on the show, bonus episodes, various video series such as Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list, killer critiques, and video updates. You can also get other great stuff such as original art by me with Mikey's Monsters where I draw you as a monster of my choice. Or you can even get your very own Attack of the Killer podcast t-shirt. How can you become an attacker, you may ask? It's so simple. Just go to jointheattackers.com, choose the perk you want to help support the show. It's so easy, even a children from the children of the corn can do it. Again, that's jointheattackers.com. Do it and become an attacker today. And now it's that moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He is currently reading a horror novel in Braille. He knows something is about to. Uh, he knows something bad's about to happen in the next chapter because he can feel it. Tad, everybody. <laughs> Hello. He's currently writing a new horror story about a pen that comes to life. He says it's practically writing itself. Andrew! Wow. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) He says he loves horror movies with clowns, and I'm certain which one, but I think he means it. He means it. (laughs) Jason! Hey! Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for having me on today, Mike. 
Oh, wait, I'm here every You're time. You're here every time. I know. I just want to give a, since since I'm on the microphone, I thought I'd, uh, I just want to let everyone know, let all our listeners, listeners know that we got some really cool stuff on our website, some new things for you to purchase on the shop page. Like, uh, we got this new uh, killer commentary. <gasps> what, what, what? It's available. It's, uh, you know, where we uh, do a video on basic i don't know how do you want to explain it it's like rift tracks mst3k it's like if you ever seen like a, a rift tracks live where yeah not only are you, you see the movie and you hear their commentary but um uh, there's pictures of them sin- sitting there watching it with you as well and that's what we do yep and uh, the first one we put out was the brain that wouldn't die oh, i freaking love that movie and uh the, the one we just released this week is horror express we finally got to do some uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee stuff. It was really good. So that's available on a digital download, and you can also buy a DVD of it. It's pretty cool. We also got this really cool thing. Uh, we're doing uh, Killer Collections. If you want to, uh, it's your chance to get our back catalog. You can get episodes 1 through 100 in a batch. You can get 101 through 200, or you can get all our commentary episodes all in one um, sweet little download. And... Lastly, we got this really cool uh, collectible. It's a trading card. That's right. We have our own trading card. And it wasn't even our idea. That's what. That's why it exists. Because <laughs> if I would have been, guys, we should make a trading card. They'd be like, you're dumb. What are you doing? This is a horror movie podcast. But the, the famous Walter Day of the Video Game Hall of Fame in Fairfield, Iowa, uh, he runs a, like a museum uh uh, a Hall of Fame, really, and and he, uh, because he lives nearby, he's always uh, celebrating uh, businesses and things, uh, cool people doing stuff, making stuff uh, for the community. And he wrote us and asked if he could do a trading card of our silly mugs and our and what we do over here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. And he made up this super sweet trading card, and it's it's a real trading card. It's like. Got your yeah. ugly mugs on one side and like all about us and our stats on the back. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but something like that. You can use this card when you play Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. You can use this card and put it in your spokes of your bike. True. Uh, it yep. makes a great coaster. Um, <laughs> anyways. Anyway, so I just wanted to tell everyone there's a lot of new cool things over on the shop at AOTKP. Get your butts over there and, and check some of that out. Help support the show. Thank you. Attack of the Killer podcast is sponsored in part by Shudder. Shudder is an online streaming service for all of us horror freaks. A lot of the movies we watch for the show, uh, we watch on Shudder. So you need to get Shudder. We all love Shudder here at the show. We know you will too. Sign up for Shudder today. And it has like a huge selection of movies, different series, a lot of original programming. Trust me when I say if you love horror, you should be watching Shudder. And you can get the first month of Shudder for free as a gift from us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Let's go there and enter our promo code AOTKP and you can get a full month of Shudder for free. Again, that promo code is AOTKP. Have you been wondering what kind of stuff we've been watching lately? Well, we're going to tell you anyway. Here's Tad with <laughs> What We Watched. What we watched. Well, it's Oscar season, and I'm sure none of us are watching any Oscar <laughs> movies. So, Andy, what have you watched? <laughs> 
Well, I didn't get a whole lot watched. Um, mainly, it was just these movies, and I watched a little bit of WandaVision with the wife, yeah. which I'm too. Thorough, thoroughly enjoying. Um, mm-hmm. We got new character in um, introduced into the MCU. Actually, two, technically. Um, that was very cool. Um, I did watch on... February 27th, because in 1987, on February 27th, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 came out, and I was feeling nostalgic, so I popped that in Aww. and watched watched it again, and it's still one of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Streets, and it should be yours, because <laughs> it is one of the better Nightmare on Elm Streets. Um, but the newest movie that I watched was a film called Bloody Hell. Have you guys heard of this? Nope. Well, um, it's basically, it's about a guy who stops a bank robbery, but he, in, during his, uh, stopping it, a woman, an innocent woman accidentally gets killed and he goes through the court system and he has to do like six or seven years in prison. So, but during this whole time he has like his conscience talking to him. So, and his conscience is hilarious. It's like, it's like Drop Dead Fred, but only uh, the his conscience looks exactly like him. And so he gets out of prison and he wants a, he wants a fresh start. And it shows him, he's blowing spitballs at a map in prison. And every time he shoots the spitball, just like randomly, it lands on Finland. So he goes to Finland. But he ends up when like before he even gets there, he ends up getting drugged and kidnapped by this uh, this crazy family in Helsinki, and he ends up in a basement with part of his leg missing. And apparently, there's a reason why why they just cut bits and pieces off these tourists, and he has through the help of his conscience you know telling him to calm down when he wakes up with his leg missing he has to get out of this this house full of these crazy people and it's hilarious and i highly highly recommend it if, if you guys get a chance watch bloody hell where's cool. it, where's it uh, available to watch i got it off of amazon i rented it and it's fairly cheap it's not like you know one of the 20 dollar ones i mean you're you're looking at maybe Five ninety nine, six ninety nine, something like that. So it's new. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, it's unexpected yeah. from Andy. And it's right? and <laughs> and it's it's eh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a hell of a good time. I mean, I I think you guys you know would really enjoy it. Is that the tagline for the movie? Hell of a good time. Bloody hell. Uh, Should be. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I just know it's called bloody hell. I just assumed you found like a laser disc in right. a shoebox at a yard sale or something. You're like, yes. <laughs> Sometimes I, you can discover some of the best stuff that way. Yeah. So, did you have anything else you watched? That that's like literally it. That's just a small amount, but I did want to make sure that you guys knew about that that film. I think you guys would really like it. it sounds pretty awesome. I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah. Okay, um, Jason, did you watch more than Andy? Barely, and I, I'm okay. just going to count a couple comedies. That uh, that's all I have. I watched. Uh, here's the thing. I'm not a quote guy, and I hate that yeah, about myself. Yeah, your quote myself. is here's the thing. Well, 
<laughs> but but I mean I can't uh, when people talk in movie quotes. Uh, everyone's always saying a movie quote, and they're like, "Huh, huh, huh," and I'm like, "I don't know what you're fucking talking about." And a lot of everybody does that, and I just I'm no good at it because my retention is terrible. Um, but then I realized if there was one movie that I've I've realized what the most quotable movie maybe of all time is, but definitely in my catalog. But uh, this last week we watched Dumb and Dumber. Oh. Yeah. My God, there you don't even know how many freaking quotable lines there are in that. It's insane. The movie's so funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it still holds up. Still I re I revisited it maybe a couple of years ago and I laughed my ass off. Oh man. It's so sad that they had to do a sequel. Yeah. I thought the sequel was really funny too. I'm I'm sorry. Oh, I really liked it. I don't it. know if I saw it. Are you talking about Dumb and Dumber or or Dumb, like Dumb and Dumber too? Too, yeah. With okay. The actual guys. With oh, the actual. Okay. That's right. I don't think I saw that either. <clears throat> saw took Simon when he was probably way too young <laughs> in the movie theater to watch that movie, and he loved it, and I loved it. It's Good. so hysterical. I also watched uh, from 2013. I had never seen this. It's um, Jason Bateman, Melissa McCarthy in Identity Th- Thief. Oh, nice. I've been wanting to see that. Um, here, here's the thing. <laughs> um, it's tough. It was like, it was great. Uh, comedy it was amazing. Uh, both those guys are just killing it. John Favreau's in it. Amanda Pete, oh. Robert Patrick plays a badass guy in it. And he's so great. Have you seen this boy? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it falls into a little bit of that. This guy can't catch a freaking break. Oh, no. I know you hate that. And I just, that part gets to me. But I think the comedy keeps it going enough. I feel like, I feel like that bugs you more. It does. Outside of genre than it does. Like, also in, true. especially in comedies, I think it bugs you more. Cause there's been several horror movies where I'm like, oh, I think Jason's going to hate this because it falls into the guy can't catch a break. And then you turn around and, and love it. In these comedies, I think it's like these. Like Jason Bateman is a really good guy, a great, awesome family guy, and I just you know you relate to him, relate to him instantly, and it's just so hard to watch him go through what he has to go through, even though a lot of funny hijinks ensue. But but those guys are great, and I really liked it. But the thing that's uh, I watched just uh, we watched Tina and I watched it um, yesterday, and. I uh, just fucking loved it. It's from 2019. It's a four-part documentary series called Lorena. And it's about Lorena Bobbitt. Oh. And mm. it's fucking oh, incredible. It's I've heard per- good things about that doc, yeah. I don't... I'm, uh, uh, after the bonus episode, I'm afraid to say that it's uh, produced by Jordan Peele. But <laughs> for some of us, um, that might not help you go watch it. But dudes... Uh, you're all well. I know these guys are ten years younger than us, so maybe it'll be different for them as it was for us. But that was like '93. It like happened oh, yeah. to us too. I mean, we were. I mean, OJ happened right around there. It was a very big time for TV yeah, craziness between, between OJ and the Tanya Harding thing. Yep, and Lorena Bot. It was like just like all right there, one thing after another. Right? Yeah, it was like tra- trashy people taking up the news. You know, that's, I think that's really when that kind of news media broke out was during that time. And, and, and now that's all we all get. 
And coincidentally, Jerry Springer started taking off at about that time. You know, all the grimy, you know, just trashy kind of content, right? Yeah, but it, this doc is freaking great because it really, it's very pro Lorena. You know, she really did a fairly good job of staying away from the media all these years, you know, like, and how she was very quiet during a lot of it. And so, like, there's a lot of footage and behind the scenes stuff, but a lot of new commentary. It's very, I know you're just trying to think of a joke. I can see your face. <laughs> I already. just want to, I just want to, yeah, never mind. But it also, no, but it also, uh, it's very pro her and John Wayne Bobbitt's in this documentary current like new like he sat down to be in it but the doc does nothing but spend four hours making him look like a dickhead that's what i've heard about and the it's doc. so yeah. great he doesn't have one so oh right oh, no he, he does he does it got sewn back on that's where i <laughs> that's where i was smiling ear to ear wanting to say something because uh, I, I wanted to bring up the porn that he did directly after getting it sewn back on yep they talk about it penis. and they yeah it's uh it was just put hydraulics in yeah. Uh, well, he did have a second surgery and did a second porn called Franken Penis where it was botched. Mm-hmm. Like the surgery. Yeah, his the dick did up not look good. The, yeah, they tried to enhance it and it totally went wrong and they didn't show those pictures. It looked God, like but, something out of like a David Cronenberg movie. But, uh, I think he's just I think he's just got addicted to knifing his dick up or something. <laughs> Why would you willingly go and just say, "Yeah, I want to, I want to have that happen again"? I know. No, they talk about it, and they're just like they just po- continually point out how not bright this guy is. And <laughs> he's sitting right there. I don't think you need to point it out. I and think he's it's trying obvious. to defend himself, and it's just he looks worse with everything he says, and it's like kind of like you see her get justice. Just how fucking dumb this guy is. And, Does he come off kind of cocky? Oh, he's. The worst oh, piece of Jesus. shit. Okay, I see what you did there. I'm going to move on then, I guess. We won't talk about what I watched. It was great. And, I, you know, it's like I don't watch a lot of – I definitely don't watch true crime things a lot. And and I've documentaries don't always come first. But when I see one, I'm like, gosh, dang, why don't I watch more documentaries? This was fantastic. I love them, so I recommend it. It's on Prime. It's free. Lorena. Cool. Yeah. That's what I watched. All right, Mike, what have you watched? Oh, man, it just popped in my head. There was one I forgot to bring up last time, but I can't remember, the, you know, with Jason talking about the this doc. Last time I watched um, that doc on Netflix about the about the hotel and the... Cecil Hotel, yeah. Yeah. What was the name of that doc? Anybody remember? That doc Nikki's, series? Nikki watched it, but I didn't. It's like... Uh, Something at the Cecil Hotel. I don't know. It's a great doc. Yes, it's kind of a true crimey doc, Jason, but I still think you should watch it. It's directed by the guy who did the Paradise Lost movies. His name is um, escaping me at the moment. But you can really tell because I feel like he's taking the same angle with the story that he did with the Paradise Lost movies because it's, oh man, I I, shit, I shouldn't go into it. (laughs) I shouldn't go into it, but there's just like the way the doc continues to go and you're thinking, oh, what really did happen to this woman? And, you know, you know, who who is the killer or was it supernatural or you know and they even interview this like guy who like the internet attacked hardcore because he 
is this black metal singer who sings about, you know, death and killing and whatnot. And apparently had this music video where this woman's being chased in the woods and getting killed in the woods. And this video came out shortly after the disappearance of this girl and how this guy supposedly was at the hotel at the same time as the woman and all this stuff and really damaged this guy's life. And he had literally no connection in real life to what was, to what actually happened. And that, um, totally, that, uh, is uh, totally fits into the theme of like what he did with the paradise lost movies of like, don't just go around judge. And then it's so sad because that kind of shit's still happening to happening today on a much grander scale. Cause it's happening on the fucking internet worldwide where, you know, people are judging a book by its cover and, you know, basically, you know, lynch mobbing, you know, poor innocent people just based on their appearances and tastes. That's my takeaway from that doc. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, back to, uh, what I've recently watched, uh, 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 Brandy and I watched this movie, uh, called, uh, Camarilla. I think it's on Netflix. It was boring. You sound really enthused. <laughs> 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 It was, it was boring. I'll move on. Um, and then she showed me this doc that disturbed me to my core. It's on Amazon Prime. It's free on Prime. Uh, Good Night Sugar Babe. Has anybody else heard heard of this doc? No. Nope. Sounds familiar. Oh, my God. Now, it, on the surface, of the doc itself, as far as like um, quality of the doc, um, is a little rough. It feels rather amateurish. Um, it definitely feels ex- uh, low budget and, um, you know, a very uh, do-it-yourself home post-production kind of feel to it with how some of the voiceovers are and stuff like that. And But it's basically, I don't remember the state, but this, uh, this woman was found uh, dead on the railroad tracks, naked. Um, and it just goes into this whole thing about this, like totally fucked up family. And this, like the mother of this family who is fucked in the head, um, <laughs> where they just had this woman living with them and, you know, she had gotten pregnant by one of her sons and they had this, this woman living with them after, you know, she gave birth to the baby because the mother wanted to keep the baby for herself she was all about um, babies and children and stuff, uh, maybe way more than um, any normal person would, if you catch my drift. Um, and they would just continually, like the boys in this family would just continually beat the living shit out of this woman on a daily basis. They would not let her make decisions on her own. Um, she could not like leave at any point in time. And she wouldn't leave because, you know, they had the baby in their care and all this. And just down to the point where they ended up, uh, you know, uh, taking her to the railroad, railroad tracks and, and killing her. It is messed up. It, um, it just, you know, my, just my faith in humanity is so low as it is. And (laughs) this is, this is just like, the bottom of the barrel of, of, of humanity that I, you know, well, there is no humanity in this family. What am I talking about? And just the bottom of the barrel of scuzzy people I've, I've ever witnessed. 
And it's just so sad to me because like, you know, we see people, we see people like this in within our own community and God knows what's going behind, going on behind their closed doors. So yeah. Um, it was an interesting doc, um, but definitely not for the weak of heart, I guess. I don't know. I'm probably, you know, talking it up too much. The one I do want to talk up big time, uh, now one of my favorite favorites, uh, in the, um, mockumentary, um, genre, finally have gotten to see this movie after listening to different podcasts and horror movie fans talk about it. Um, at links over the years, and I finally got to see the Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh yeah! Oh my God! Am I? Are you and I the only one? Has anybody else seen this? I've 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 seen it. It's uh, it's it doesn't mess around. It's 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 a little cringy at times for me, but like it's effective. Yeah, it, it's it's uh oh, it's very effective. I thought it. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I love the the way they told the story and how it unraveled. And it's definitely does not go in a direction you expect it to go. And just, I just found the ending of the movie utterly chilling. And, you know, this like killer is almost, almost feels like on a supernatural level of pure genius. He is at his evilness. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great dog. It, it's uh it's definitely it's disturbing, but you know, going in knowing that it's it's a not a real film, um yeah. kind of, you know, desensitizes it a bit, but uh but I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great, great film. I definitely recommend it. Where'd you watch it? Oh, sorry, that one I it's on Tubi. Okay. Freaking love Tubi, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tad, what'd you watch? Well, um, following in the great um, depressing documentary <laughs> wave you guys are going, I think I can top them all, and I watched Allen versus Pharaoh on HBO Max, the new Woody Allen. Um, so oh, far, they only have two oh. parts. Uh, oh. I don't think I really need to tell you guys what it's about. It's certainly <laughs> not about Woody Allen's film career. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's well, definitely dark. Oh boy. Uh, it, there is some film involved, um, but oh God. It, it's a sad, dark documentary, but they talk to Mia Farrow and the family members and the kids. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like everybody sort of knows a little bit about this stuff, but hearing it first uh, hand and hearing, of course, he's come out and said, you know, it's all false and, it, you know, taken out of context. And, um, just the first episode, uh, even if you take out some of the stuff that he would say is false, uh, is pretty eye opening because the stuff that's true is absolutely true. And I don't think he would deny, you know, he ended up marrying um, his, at the time, I don't think he ever even married Step-daughter? her. Stepdaughter? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He was a legal guardian, second. though, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah. Anyways, I won't dwell too much on that. It's really. Um, I, I don't want to say good. Um, it's captivating, but right, well made. I look well forward made. to learning more about it. Yeah, it's well made, and of course, it's on HBO Max, so you know it's going to be quality. But um, on other end of things, I watched. Uh, now I'm just going to sound like I'm plugging things because I watched uh, 
everything I watched had a purpose. I watched rewatched Lamberto Bava's Demons for Woo-hoo. the Brett and Tony podcast on the Prescribed Film Podcast Network. That episode is now available. We great had episode. a blast great, talking about it. Great episode. And and don't ever underestimate your um, fact knowledge. I thought you did a great job. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I was uh, You were like living in my brain that entire night. I was like, <laughs> did not want to disappoint you. So I'm, I'm glad I got your seal of approval on the episode. We had a lot of fun talking about it. And I think they had a lot of fun uh, watching it for the first time. I was glad to introduce it to... Uh, or four new people, four new fans now. So um, the next thing I watched was a revisit of Alien Resurrection uh, mm. because um, the um, Gorley and Russ podcast are covering the Alien franchise now, and I needed to brush up on Alien uh, 3 and Resurrection because I hadn't seen them in quite some time, and I remembered why after watching them. Oh. <laughs> Uh-huh. But I did, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, not my favorite, but it's, it's flawed, but you know, it's watchable, at least entertaining. So it has a killer cast, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, Resurrections cast is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I watched uh, another very atrocious movie called The Next Karate Kid. <laughs> oh. Uh, and I won't spend too much time on that because I spent two hours ripping it on my podcast. So ripping it. <laughs> It is unbelievably bad. I mean, if there is a time capsule for the 90s, like they should show this to people in the future and be like, this is why the 90s were garbage. This movie (laughs) is they took everything that Miyagi built up in the first three movies and just flushed it down the toilet. What a turd of a movie. Uh, It has a young Walter Goggins in it. it has to be the worst thing he's ever been in. Wow. Just, it is unbelievably awful. I mean, a girl has a bird for a friend. It's so stupid. I hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's monks that are used for comic relief. I fucking hate it. Uh, Fuck this movie. (laughs) That's just the taste. And it's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. So that's what I watch, guys. Oh, man. If I may, um, since everybody... um, suggested a a doc um i did watch this last week but i didn't want to talk about it because it's the britney spears one i knew it i i i have that on uh beta but um don't ask me how that (laughs) happened but no (laughs) it's it's a fairly new one and i don't remember what network it was on but it's a it's like literally six hours dude it's uh, it's a pretty much a deep dive into uh, the Charles Manson case, and it's called Helter Skelter, an American Myth, and it's yeah, it's like six hours. It just it details everything. It's got new footage of you know all this stuff. If you're into that sort of thing, how many um, clips did Rob Zombie pull for his new album? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I don't know, but I th- actually, if he remade like Helter Skelter, he could use like a lot of people. Well, he could play Charlie Manson if he like you know <laughs> shr- if he shrank a foot. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he. Could, I was just thinking about that. It's just like Jeff Daniel Phillips could play Danny DiCarlo like perfectly. But he was he was in line to do a TV movie about uh, Manson for a while. Oh wow! Yeah, Rob well, Zombie I don't was. think he could do TV, but. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, probably yeah. more like now it'd be like streaming, not like network or anything. Yeah. But he was Rob Zombie was signed up to like direct a uh, Charles Manson 
uh, documentary or something. But I, but I will say this. If you're going to actually watch like the Helter Skelter movies, watch the one from the 70s. Don't watch the remake that they made in 2004. It's, it's garbage compared to Steve Railsback's uh, Charlie Manson. It's, the one from the 70s is hands down the better, the better uh, film. No, I, I correct myself. I just did a quick Google search. Rob Zombie actually did narrate a Charles Manson documentary <laughs> called The Final Words. Huh. So All right. he did. It is completed. It came out and uh, he didn't have anything to do with the writing and directing. So it might be decent. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just kidding. But, Love you, Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I think he could do a really, really cool, uh, you know, I'd love if, if they, he he directed it and like cast it, but did not write it. Oh uh, yeah, there, perfect. Based, based his, it on his, like a book. Yes, his his style. Do it on uh, uh, Bugliosi's uh, Helter Skelter book. There we go. That'd be perfect. That'd be perfect. Cool, cool. Well, I just want to say I've never watched the next Karate Kid. But man, after listening to you talk about it, I wouldn't watch <laughs> that movie with a 10 foot pole position with Jason. <laughs> From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. All right, Mike, nice work on your transitions. Getting really good. Working, working hard on my segues. I say. I was going to say, like, a, if a segue could groan, it would actually <laughs> groan. <laughs> I've been writing my segues while writing on my segue. Moving on. So let's look back at, uh, for those of you who are, aren't Twitter inclined, Brian Clark, and <laughs> we'll look at, uh, for the poll that we did for episode 228, what is your favorite war horror movies? You guys remember your answers? Insane Mike's was Dog Soldiers. I had Jacob's Ladder. Tad had Predator. Andy had Dead Snow. Any guesses? Oh, you're all going to say yourselves. I know I didn't win. That's correct. <laughs> Tad got last place. Woo! Well, the mighty have fallen. That's right. Wow. That and is shocking. There's a two-way <laughs> tie for first. Andy and Jason. Oh, son of a bitch. Mike <laughs> does not win again. Damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You need a germal sound effect for this. You need to learn how to work your Twitter so you can get some more votes. That's what you need to do. I feel like I feel like my answer <laughs> stands alone. I don't have to go out and campaign for Well, based on results, I think you do. So <laughs> moving on. Let's look let's look at this week's poll position. The question was asked, and oh, and what a fun one. Perfect for all of us. What's your favorite Tom Savini effect? How do you even narrow this down? What a what inspired this question? What, who did it? Was it Andy? Was that it, was me. Yeah, Where'd and that I may come have from? changed mine. Oh. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I just was like, have we? I I almost was thinking like, oh god, they've probably already done this before, but surprisingly enough, yeah. Any chance to talk special good. effects? Heck yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking of the effects mass X mass, the master himself, Insane Mike, <laughs> tried things and didn't work. Uh, uh, I, I, the people are really excited because you are the effects guy in prescribed films. What? And you went to his school. You love Tom Savini. I do love Tom Savini. Um, How'd you narrow this down? 
This what, was tough. You said this was like an easy one for us, and it was a tough one for me because how do you? It's like, what's your favorite child? You know, right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, I decided to go with. Um, well, first I had to narrow it down to a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I narrowed it down to Day of the Dead as far as the movie of his work and why he has always been on the top of my list. Because when I first saw that movie, I had never seen anything like it up to that point in my life. Uh, effects wise ever, like up to that point to me, I thought like, Oh, gore effects is, you know, let's, let's dump some fake blood on some, some spaghetti and call it guts and throw it against the wall. You know? So when I saw the craftsmanship of the effects works in, in, in day of the dead, I was blown away and I'm trying to, I was trying to remember that first viewing of Day of the Dead for me and which effect um, made my jaw drop to the floor. And I think I narrowed it down to, speaking of dropping on the floor, um, <laughs> the zombie spilling his guts on the floor oh in Day of God. the Dead. That's, that's my that's How'd my they do pick. that? I know you can you can see an empty <laughs> cavity there where the guts are, and it's not CGI. So how'd they do it? Yeah, how did they do it? Oh man, what a good answer! Well, Magic. I'm gonna go next and keep that Day of the Dead love train going. I, for me, it, I mean, I, I, it was easy for me because I got my answer in first, so that <laughs> that helped. It kind of well, to be honest, it kind of helped me to knowing what everyone yeah. else's answers yeah. are. Yeah, um, but. but this movie, there were two movies that just solidified my love for horror, and it's I've, I've spoke about in Evil Dead Two when the eyeball flew across the room. I knew this was for me, and right around the same time as when I watched Day of the Dead, and it just blew my fucking mind. And the gore made it, this movie made me a gore hound, and uh, I've loved it ever since. So obviously, when Rhodes gets torn apart. Yeah. There just isn't much better than that. It's besides the effect, just the moment in the story. This fucking asshole, you just mm-hmm. spent two hours wishing he would get his, and he finally does, and it couldn't be more glorious. So. So, someone's got to do the impersonation. And the thing is that he probably was choking because. Yeah. All those guts were real, but they had left the fridge unplugged. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about two weeks Rancid. of yeah, yeah of rot, and they're just like, and these poor people, these poor extras, and poor Joe Pilato are just taking all this in. So gross. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure the footage has been used in several docs about Savini or George Romero, maybe even on like. Uh, some Day of the Dead behind the scenes or something, but I remember in Scream Greats they show he tells that story in Scream Greats Volume One, and they show behind the scenes shots with uh, Tom's uh, video camera where they are putting like aftershave lotion um, mm, on yeah. a cloth and rubbing it under Joe's nose, and you could just you would see a take and they would say cut, and then it just all the color flushes out of Joe's face at cut and you could just see his cheeks start to poof and you can just, you know, he's about to oh, hark. He's, he's retching and just ugh, mm-hmm. nasty. All right, Tad, what's your pick? Well, I knew when you guys both, or I mean, I know like day of the dead is like the quintessential, like Savini, um, showcase. 
Like I remember seeing that too. And it was like something you had to show your friends. Like you don't even have to sit through the movie. Yeah. I just want to fast forward to these scenes. I mean, it's a great movie, but I mean, this was just Savini showing off at this point. <laughs> and it's, it's always been like the most realistic looking, not necessarily even the most like over the top head explosion or something that he's done. But, um, you know, so I had to pick something that I think is the most fun and, uh, may, like he does a lot of really dark and, obviously dark, but like I wanted to pick something that made me laugh. And so I went with the opening scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, um, when (laughs) Buzz and Rick are, are cruising down the highway and they call in to stretch his radio show and they're being assholes and dicks to her. And, um, they're, um, caught, you know, uh, Leatherface catches up with them in his truck with, uh, his corpse friend. And, they, uh, yeah, he, he ends up using his old chainsaw and cutting Buzz's head off. Buzz is right off the top, so I'm going with uh, Bubba's buzz cut. He he <laughs> chainsaws the top of his head off, and it's really cool because they're driving, and you don't quite notice it, and then it slides off of his head, and spewing blood squirts up in the air, and uh, just it, it's just fun. Like It's like a cartoon, but it's, it's still incredibly bloody, and it just, to me, sums up this movie. It's oh, like... Good if you made Texas Chainsaw a cartoon and this is so much fun. So yeah. Great one. Great one. All right, Andy, how about you? Yeah, I know I always do this. I know I change them at the last minute, but there's so many good ones in, you know, that Savini did, you know, between like, and there was one in day of the dead that I wanted to use because I could say the word moose clit, but I've already said it now, but it was the, um, (laughs) and that's how he described it. I mean, in the documentary on the uh, the Shout Factory DVD, it's uh, the former captain when Doctor Frankenstein, which is what they call him, um, with the uh, all the uh, electrodes are in the brain, and it's just like a brain with like a you know a torso. I mean, I love that effect, but and I was gonna say the shotgun blast in the Prowler, where you know his the guy's just head explodes, but. I feel like since I'm a hardcore fan of this series, I have to go with Jason's face sliding down the machete in part yes. four. Yes. Yeah, that was on my short list too. So was the head explosion and mine. That was a short list one too. It was a good one. Yeah, the but yeah, the, the they go they run neck and neck, but I mean that the the face sliding down the machete Ooh. is just so mm-hmm. iconic. I, I I I can't pass that one up, but yeah, that that's. I'm always amazed that these could get by the MPAA. Like, how right? did these, especially during that time? Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, the the like this isn't even extended cut of Friday Thirteenth Part Four, and this by Part Four it was such a mainstream, huge franchise. And to think like all these people came out and they were like, you know, this is the one where Jason dies, and there could not have been more a definitive <laughs> way. Like, holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, yeah. He's slowly sliding down a fucking machete with his face. But, you know, my, my other one was like fluffy. I thought about fluffy because it's so different. <laughs> like I, he yeah. does great creatures that we just don't get, you know, enough of almost. He's known for zombies and, and realistic gore, but he makes cool creatures, too. Yeah. And I know there was a time in his in his career at the height of his effects career that that kind of troubled him, that he was known as the gore guy and he would always do, you know, good gore stuff. But he was so good at it. But uh um, you know, we we just uh, talked about burning not too long ago. Let's not forget about all the great effects yeah. in that movie too. I mean, um, but you got a you got an arrow through Kevin Bacon's throat. I mean, yeah, I know that's that. just Oof. like you know, 
the go-to, but it's still classic. But he did get to do some cool monsters like Fluffy. Um, there was a couple of creatures he did for the Tales from the Dark Side series that are really, really cool looking. What was well. the Christmas one? Uh, that Christmas monster. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. But um, but there is one movie I just want to bring it up real quick. That is a very lesser known Savini effects job. Um, and I've been struggling to try to find this movie. I got a VHS bootleg of it. Um, and I've been struggling to try to find this movie since then, and I don't think it's ever been released anywhere in the States, ever. Um, but it's a movie called Till Death Do Us Scare, and it's mm. it's a Japanese movie that he did effects for, and it's not like it's not a gore splatter film at all. It's a ghost movie. And um and so it's got like it's got like so much more surreal supernatural effects in it that he got to do there's like a scene where one of the ghosts does the whole like put the fingers in your cheeks and pull your cheeks apart and stick your tongue out and make funny faces kind of thing only he extends the cheeks out like five feet apart and then birds come (laughs) flying out of his mouth um you know it's stuff like that a lot of a lot of really cool effects like that that he got to do in that movie and man i wish somebody would release that movie in the states like on a nice Blu-ray or something. Well, I, I always think of like when he was on, he was on like Nickelodeon and he was on um, Letterman and stuff and he would show, you know, some gore effects. But like when he was on, I think it was Nickelodeon, he was just doing, just only showing his creature stuff. And it was just sort of cool to see that side of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was like, he clearly had to sort of tone it down for kids, but he was like, he, almost like playful version of Savini. Like, oh, I get to show this side of myself and, uh, he brought out Fluffy, and he brought out a few other characters. It's just cool to see. Absolutely. All right, uh, listeners, get your butts over to Twitter at AOTKP and make your voices heard and vote for who you think got it right of those four choices. And uh, we'll read your results later, but that's poll position. All right, so now it is time to get into our topic at hand. Um we went through our movie collections and, you know, we, we're collectors. We buy a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes we'll buy the same movie over and over again when there's a new release, yeah. a new 4K restoration or whatever. Um, so, you know, um, so there's times or, you know, maybe we're going to like Dollar Tree and find actually a bunch of cool movies for only like a buck. Looking um, at you, Brian Godzill. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have movies that sometimes end up on our shelves that uh, doesn't get opened. And so the point of these episodes is to get us to freaking watch our freaking collections. Yeah, I, and I thought the other caveat was that we haven't seen this movie before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I didn't want to – I'm Wasn't sorry if I a, misled there, but yeah. uh, the point is is like not that we are – Pick movies that we've purchased, we've set on the shelf, but we've never actually watched before. So, and, and don't pretend like you don't have uh, movies on your shelf all unwrapped. So, oh, I don't. No, but, I mean the listener. Oh, the everybody, listeners. everybody, yeah, shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, uh, first, we're going to start off with Tad. What uh, movie did you dig out of your collection? Well, I feel sort of bad because this is I've neglected the ones that have been sitting there for literally years <laughs> to watch something I just got a few months ago. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's almost it's almost cheating. And um, I'm pulling one movie out of a collection of 20. But uh, I'm finally checking some hammer off my list with the revenge of Frankenstein. Frankenstein. 
In the year 1860, I, Baron Frankenstein, was sentenced to death on the guillotine. Why? Why had the world condemned me? Because I was the first man to create another living being. The first unnatural man. But because his brain was affected, because he could not control his animal instincts, he was hunted down and brutally murdered. But I have escaped the guillotine and I shall avenge the death of my creation. Who is he? Nobody. He isn't born yet. You will witness scenes never before seen on a motion picture screen. You will see Frankenstein take the eyes of one man, the brain of another. You will see lifeless hands begin to move. You will see a man turn into the world's most terrifying monster. The Revenge of Frankenstein was released in September 1958 by Hammer Studios, starring Peter Cushing, directed by Terrence Fisher, and written by Jimmy Sangster. Um, having escaped execution and assumed an alias, Baron Frankenstein transplants his deformed underling's brain into a perfect body, but the effectiveness of the process and the secret of his identity soon begin to unravel. Um like I said, I got this in the Ultimate Hammer collection from Mill Creek. Um, I think that title is a bit misleading as far as the Ultimate Hammer collection, but um, I don't know a whole lot about Hammer. I will say that's a big gap in my horror history. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot. I haven't seen a lot. This I, I think I have seen a few films here and there. Um, I can't recall what I've seen or what's con- you know sort of blurry in there. I've seen some old British horror, and it's like, is this was that Hammer? I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I decided after going through the set and sort of narrowing it down, um, this one seemed to be a good starting point, even though it's technically a sequel. Um, but Oh man, I like the look of it. I liked Peter Cushing. I love the score. I love some of the um, cool like creature effects and stuff. But overall, I found it sort of boring to be honest. Uh, for an hour and a half, it felt a lot longer to me. Uh, I mm-hmm. felt it dragged in spots. I was expecting a little more camp, I guess. It was, and, may, and like I said, I just don't have a lot of experience with uh, Hammer, so maybe. 
I went in expecting something different. Um, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. I, I think it probably deserves a, a second rewatch when I'm more in the mood, probably in October, uh, you know, around Halloween time when I'm really full on into this old style horror. Uh, but I enjoyed it, didn't love it, um, but I'm glad I, I opened it and, you know, I want to dig into this box set now and, and get a few more watch, just sort of like when we did um, last last unwrapping when I did a Mario Bava film, I got into more of that stuff and really enjoyed that. So what did you guys think? I'm on pay. I'm on par with with Tad on this one. This this almost seems like uh, to me anyway, it seems like a lazy Sunday afternoon on the couch kind of movie where you're just, you know, you're kind of halfway into it, but you're just almost too lazy to turn the channel. You know, it's like, uh, you know, there, there's there's really good stuff into it that, uh, like, you know, the sets and and the score and just the the overall, you know, ambiance to it. But I mean, it just uh, it it did kind of drag, and I mean, some of the characters were were you know were quirky enough like you know the uh the guy who doesn't bathe and you know he's always you know he does a shit job at cleaning everything and <laughs> um it almost kind of echoed you know i guess hp lovecraft's uh reanimator where you know they had an assistant and he's kind of teaching him things i mean it, it really made me think of like herbert west and you know the other guy but like this is like this is the first time that like reanimator got ripped off uh but i i can't really i can't really say a whole lot about this other than that it's um it's ted said it perfectly i mean i don't dislike it it's got it's got its merits but i'm not i'm not in love with it and it's it drags and it drags in spots and um I don't think I've heard a church bell dong more than, you know, a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> gong. Okay. Uh, it, it gongs like 115 times before, like, you know, uh, Dr. Frankenstein goes to the gallows, you know, I mean, it's, it's 115 like, o'clock. Dong, dong, I guess so. But <laughs> exactly. That like, was annoying the hell out of me. I know, right? It's just like if uh, there's one, if I do have one major complaint, I was just like, quit ringing the fucking bell, Quasimodo. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) You go ahead. I fucking love this movie. Awesome. (laughs) Oh my God. This was the best movie out of all of them. Jesus Christ. This movie is so great. You guys are crazy. Oh my God. Like I'm a hundred percent in from the beginning. Peter Cushing is the fucking man. I might be changing my Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, uh, who's my favorite going back and forth. But Peter Cushing was amazing in this. And I, I, I was just a hundred percent in it from the beginning, trying to figure out this guy basically being Frankenstein and, uh, uh, him getting the 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 assistant, the girl, the perfect body, oh the the henchman guy, I I loved it all. Yes, the score is great. I thought the acting was awesome. I loved it. Jeez, I, I was just I'm just having a blast with these old movies. And it's only it's 58, you know, like somewhere between then and the 70s. I don't know if it's just seeing movies on film that does it, but. Gosh dang, this movie was awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm gonna oh, side with, uh, oh, with no. the others on this one. Um, oh. 
So, like, I've obviously over the past few years have been expanding my hammer as my hammer as well because your hammer, my my, <laughs> I almost, I almost hammer. spit yeah. my drink into the microphone. <laughs> 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 He's gro- growing his cushion. <laughs> <laughs> The sweeter the pushing. The more cushing, the sweeter the pushing. I'm glad you said growing my cushing and not growing my Peter. So, um, <laughs> expanding my hammer film viewing as well, gaining more knowledge in hammer films. Because when I was younger, the few that I had seen, I thought were rather boring. And I didn't quite uh, understand or appreciate what hammer, hammer did at the time. Um, and since then, I've seen a lot of stuff that I really, really love from Hammer Studios. Um, but mostly the stuff outside of the uh, outside of the their version of the Universal Monster films. And I've always been still kind of nervous because those are some of the ones I saw when I was younger of coming back to these ones based on Universal Monster movies. And um. And I think, like, in particular, the Frankenstein films. And I think I figured out one of my hesitations as I sat down to watch this movie was, like, how can there, why is there so many Frankenstein movies? Like, how (laughs) many times, because if you have a Frankenstein movie, you have to have a Dr. Frankenstein as well as a monster. And so the plot's going to be the same thing every time. It's like this mad scientist making a monstrous creation, right? Like how, how original can you do this concept? I thought they did a very, um, did a very good job of trying to do something different with this, the angle of transplanting this guy's brain into a body because you know he's got an affliction and transporting the brain is so it's it's more it was more than just creating life out of uh, new life out of out of old parts it was kind of like um yeah totally uh so i appreciated that but st- uh, still at the same time it's still kind of the same beats it's like a texas chainsaw massacre movie you know there's always going to be a dinner scene you know so it's kind of the same thing you always know there's going to be um you know lab experiments and then electricity and bubbling cauldrons and stuff and and um and an hour before we get to our to our mad scientist's creation so um so yeah so i think like i'm getting to the point now where I'm going to put the Frankenstein's monster based on that um, very one-sided analysis that I just came up with uh, as on the bottom of, of the, of the monsters for me, just because I, I, I don't know. It just feels like the same thing over and over again. Uh, Terrence Fisher though, I, I've really learned to love him as a director and it, it's, 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 it's a bummer that, um, that I didn't like this one. Uh, I just really did kind of find it boring, but man, he's got some great stuff, man. Like, you know, we all watch devil rides out for the, for the show. And that movie's Mm. great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Island of terror. I did that for an insane's pick, uh, I think last year. And I freaking loved that. Um, we should all watch Gorgon together. That's a really good one. Um, but I even remember when I was younger, I had on VHS Frankenstein and the monster from hell. And I, 
I I actually remember enjoying that one. So, um, so you know, the Frankenstein concept's not a complete loss. Um, but you know, he's just done so many, so much stuff for Hammer. Uh, you know, Frankenstein must be destroyed. Horror, of Dracula, Curse of the Werewolf, tons and tons of stuff. So, you know, he is the Hammer Studio master, and um, and you know, it's, it's the stuff again outside of the outside of the Universal Monster movies. Universal monsters that uh, that's the the stuff I really connect with is the stuff outside of that with like devil rides out and Island of terror and so on. Um, I also, you know, but also, uh, you know, I, I just always have a hard time with period films. So we've got movies, you know, in the 1800s, you know, that's just, uh, you know, I just can't connect with it. You know, I, me too. It's already setting off on a bad foot for me. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's an uphill battle if it starts in that time period. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was it was fine. Like this movie, I think in one word for me, it's it's fine. Like I probably yeah. I don't know when I'll rewatch it, but uh, I feel like I got a huge value out of the box set. And you know, there'll be some I love, some I hate, some that are okay. But you know, if I watch all of them, I got my money's worth. So yeah, absolutely. And and that's true. This isn't a bad movie. Um, no, it's not just, at all. It's just not. It's just not in my wheelhouse. I mean, and and I'm on the Peter Cushing love train. I I, I've I think I had this this epiphany here as well when I'm watching him do things like putting on a jacket. Like I think I've just fallen in love with watching Peter Cushing doing mundane things. He's got <laughs> such an elegance and a and a sophistication to every little thing he's doing when he's sitting there um, eating the the chicken. Like I'm just, I'm more captivated watching him like slice off a piece of chicken, and then he puts the little piece of chicken on his fork, and he dips it in something, and then eats it, and then offers the guy if he's. Yeah, I'm he's way, like, would you like some chicken? I'm way more fascinated about that than I am about the conversation that's actually going on in the scene. So, I mean, I'll yeah, I, I'm there with you guys. I'll watch Peter Cushing and everything, and and he's just great, but. Yeah. So I mean so there's so there's good stuff. There's great stuff in this movie. It's just not it's just not my cup of tea. I really loved the performance of Carl. I thought he was great. I loved how like different it was that like he started talking pretty soon. You know, like he got his faculties back pretty quick. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. And but the the thing I thought I don't know that I again I haven't seen tons of these, but um, it seemed like a story concept that I hadn't seen in any of these before, but what was fucking cool is that Dr. Victor was building himself a perfect body to put his brain in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, that was, that was cool. really neat. Like this whole time you thought he was doing, I mean, he was helping his, his guy, but he was also building a perfect body for himself, which was pretty neat. And feeding his cannibalistic chimp. Yeah, I assume that has to do with the first one, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> well, and I, I was, was going to say that, too. I also do like the fact that the, these Hammer Monster movies um, are, are like, it's a series. It's a franchise. It's a it's a continuing story. You know, I'm a, I'm a big franchise fan and they have an MCU. Love, yeah, basically. So <laughs> I love, uh, like, this is an actual sequel to... Um, to their first Frankenstein movie, so and and it start kind of starts where the last one left off after it supposedly had been hung. So yeah, oh yeah, I, it's definitely worth a watch. You mm-hmm. know, 
especially if, if you're like the rest of us and really trying to increase our hammer film knowledge. So, uh, but with that said, Jason, what, what movie did you unwrap? The movie I unwrapped, and I've been trying to unwrap this one for several unwrappings. That's too much unwrapping. Uh, is this awesome movie from 1993, Matinee. How could such a thing happen, Dr. Cabal? The ant's saliva must have gotten into Bill's bloodstream and gone straight to his brain, just as the radiation, which is measured in units called Renkins, was released. And that's how he became a... Mant. <laughs> For the kids of Key West, Florida, there was nothing scarier than a monster matinee. Lawrence Wolsey, the master of movie horror, exterminates you with Matt. The story of Matt is based on scientific fact, on theories that have appeared in national magazines. But in the fall of 1962... A series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on the island of Cuba. They got the biggest scare of all. The country is on red alert. And what a perfect time to open a new horror movie. That'd be the best show to take a girl to. The whole world's gonna blow up anyway, so we should just do whatever we want. You know, last guy she went out was in her farm school. She did teach me a lot. What about? About my body. Think of the bomb we're about to fall, she'd do it with me. <laughs> Wait till you see the feelers on this thing. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, some of it's stage lighting, some of it's magic show stuff, but the big studios, none of them have anything like it. You never ever turn one above six. This is it! From Joe Dante, director of Gremlins. You see what he's putting back? The showmanship. The bombs are falling! You think this is some kind of picnic for me? I'm still concerned about that bomb thing. A little question of taste? No, no, but your younger patrons, you could have some seat wetness. John Goodman. I love this business. Matinee. Man, I've seen this twice. In October 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis occurs and the menace of nuclear war looms over the American South. Low-budget filmmaker Lawrence Woolsey, played by John Goodman, is in Key West, Florida, debuting his new film, Mant, and thinks... The prevailing mood of fear surrounding the premiere is perfect to stir up some excitement. A local group of teenagers prepare for the film's opening night, experiencing small crisis, experiencing small crises of their own. I assume you guys have seen this already. I haven't. First time for me. All this right. was the first time for me as well. Well, all I, right. I have seen this before, but it has been years, so I was really grateful to get to come back to this one. Yeah, so it's not, you know, it's not really a horror movie, but, you know, it has that definite horror vibe of, you know, the 50s and so on. And it, it, it's definitely more elements. of a comedy. Um, horror adjacent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of themes that would appeal to horror fans, especially horror fans of, of um, 50s and 60s horror films. Yeah, I just I spent the whole movie just just I don't know. It made me smile through the whole thing. That like I felt like we were getting a very autobiographical Joe Dante childhood. Like, oh, yeah. like these very. are the times that he grew up. Yeah. These are the things he loved and feared. You know, with the duck and cover and having to be around that, and how that maybe did play into his love and fear of movies and how all that played together. And 
I don't know. It just made me smile just thinking that that little, just thinking about little Joe Dante running around back then. I love this line. This was my favorite of the episode. Uh, yeah, first time watch is... for me. Yeah. And it was just so damn cool. Like, uh, like you said, not necessarily a horror. So sort of, I don't know, but it, that, that doesn't matter to me. I, I just had a blast watching this. I, it's like a mixture of, you know, like the Sandlot, but like from a movie nerd perspective, mm. rather than like the baseball yeah. kids and, uh, just, yeah, I loved everything about it. It was, it was really cool. This is like you, like you guys, and I'll just reiterate before, this is like Dante's love letter to his childhood <laughs> yep. that inspired him to probably become a filmmaker of sorts. And if you guys do not see William Castle oh, yeah. in the character that, uh, this Lawrence Woods, Woodsley or whatever, uh, Literally at the beginning of this film is his promo. It's a direct ripoff for homicidal with the, you know, the shadowing and, you know, the big cigar in his mouth and, you know, and the, and the lights come up and I'm just like, okay, that's, that's William Castle. <laughs> and, and, and it just, it just goes to show all the gimmicks that you see in this film. I mean, they have, um, I mean, of course they have different names in this film, but like the, uh, the gimmick that he used in the tingler, which is escaping me. And I feel like I should know this, but with the, the, sh- the shocking buzzers underneath the seats. And it's just like, it takes you back to a time when going to a film was more than just, you know, okay, I'm going to go see a movie. There was, there it was, was an just, event. There, exactly. There was, there was this sense of, you know, pageantry and pizzazz and all these gimmicks to just draw you in. And it, it, it was just, I, I am automatically drawn to that. I mean, just, I mean, I love it when like filmmakers romanticize about this time of, of filmmaking. Like for instance, when, uh, and I, and I don't want to stray too, too far off track here, but like when when Psycho came out, you know, you had all these, you know, these gimmicks of like, okay, you can only be let in because we don't want to, you know, you don't want to give out, you know, the ending of the movie about. No you know, one will be admitted after the exactly, first. yeah. And uh, you know, I'm seeing like this big advertisement of Psycho of the Demille Theater, and I believe it was New York, and it literally the whole three quarters of the side of this building is the advertisement for Psycho, and it's got lights going through the cracks. I'm just like, I, I, I'd have had a goddamn car wreck just looking up at the budget. <laughs> it, this thing is just, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, I took a, you know, I copied a picture off it off the internet, and I made an 8x10 off of it on Shutterfly. I got it framed. I just think it's awesome. You know, and it's just, there's, there's there there will never be another time like that i i think in film i mean yeah granted you're going to see billboards you know on like the west coast and, and bigger stuff like that but nothing quite like this will probably ever happen again you know uh just just what a, what a time to be a a film fan i mean and look and look look what this um era of film gave us i mean it gave us the joe dantes it gave us the john carpenters it gave us you know all the guys that we love so i mean yeah um back to the movie which is what i should be talking about but uh great 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 movie absolutely adored this film and i'm glad i got a chance to watch it 
Yeah, I love this movie as as well. Um, I'm just a big Joe Dante fan in general, and so you know, anytime you see Joe Dante's name appear on the screen, there's definitely some, definitely a lot of things that I know I'm going to see, and. In, in a Joe Dante movie, you're going to see the usual cast of characters that show up in Joe Dante movies like Dick Miller, of course, Robert Picardo, yeah. John Sayles, Belinda Blasky, even Kevin McCarthy um, shows up in this and in the uh, movie within the movie Mant. Um, I, I want to touch on that for a bit. I love all the Mant scenes. I mean, I could have, I could just watch a whole movie of right. Give Mant. me Mant. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you get the Scream Factory Shout Select version, it has the full length version of Mant <gasps> with introduction by Joe Dante. Oh, that's cool. I definitely need that. But what's great about the Mant stuff is the dialogue and the performances. Well, first of all, he casted a lot of of um, actors within Mant um, that were actually actors from that era of, of films of sci-fi and horror films from that, from that time period, AKA like Kevin McCarthy and stuff like that. Um, and you know, the, 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 the line deliveries and the dialogue in the, in those scenes and the way it, way it's shot, it's not like a satire, in a sense, uh, so, you know, take like um, movies like Lost Skeleton of Cadavera or, or you know, the the fake movies within the movie Popcorn stuff like that. This is like how those movies were, and he Joe Dante is making a early nineteen sixties atomic sci fi horror film, not a parody of one, not but a, a actual yeah in style. Yeah, I love the moments with like the dentist, and he's and he. He'll he'll say a word and then you can tell where the parentheses go um, in his dialogue when he gives the definition of that word immediately after within the same sentence. You know that that's the shit you would see in those movies, and it's so freaking great. Um, I even love the uh, the other movie that we get to see a little bit of the um, the shook up shopping cart. <laughs> Or the oh, <laughs> woman's uncle is a shopping cart, which is totally satirizing like the Disney movies from that time period. And even that is like when when you first watch it, when you're first watching it, and if you're familiar with like '60s Disney live action Disney movies, you're you're thinking to yourself, watching this, you're like, is this a Disney movie I didn't know about? Because it plays on the same beats as those those movies. And and it just goes to show that this movie is a love letter to that time period of being a film geek that Joe Dante was. I mean, the kid in this movie, his room is cluttered with famous monsters of Filmland magazine. Uh, it even has issue number 18 featured in his bedroom, um, which has a letter from a young Joe Dante in the letters page of that issue. Wow. So... Uh, so that it's just those details are, uh, in this movie are just so cool. Um, John Goodman nails it as, as, um, Woolsey. Um, I thought he, you know, he's, I mean, he's great and everything. I love John Goodman, but, uh, mm-hmm. he totally captures the whole William Castle thing. And, and yeah, they're, they're not even trying to pretend that this isn't William Castle. I mean, it's a hundred percent William Castle. Yeah. And I love that too, because I love that time period as well for that showmanship of, of, um, the film going experience. I, I just feel like I was totally born in the wrong decade. Cause I <laughs> just would love to be in that time period where, you know, you can buy, you know, for like a quarter, um, 
Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, Hot Off the Rack for the first time, or comic books from that era, which I feel like are the best comic books still. Um, you know, and, and then going and getting your ass shocked by going to watch the tingler in the theater and stuff like that. You know, it's just, I just love that gim- those gimmicks and that showmanship so much. But I also want to point out too, the dialogue in this movie is so well written. I was just really captivated by the dialogue in this. And, and maybe a lot of that has to do again with the performances, but take like John Goodman's speech when he's walking, um, when he's walking with the kid and explaining to him about the cave paintings, the mammoth on the cave paintings, and he's walking through the theater and explaining, you know, the whole the motivation for what he does. It's such it's such a well written speech. It's like it's one of my favorite moments of the movie is 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 that is that bit of dialogue. Um, but yeah, uh, just yeah, great movie. I don't know what else to say. I think I've probably summed it up. I just all set. Yeah, I love how it made it feel like going to the movies is what was like a kid's like first option. Like you could go out and play catch or you could but like it seemed like the go-to thing was go to the movies and like all kids just constantly got to just go to the movies and that's cuz theaters were on every block, you know, and it's just such a cool time. Very much so, and 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 there's also you know going beyond everything that we were saying about our our love for the stuff from this time period and Joe Dante's love for this time period. But there's an act, there's a really interesting message within this movie with the whole fear of of um, you know the getting bombed and what have you, and the whole duck and cover thing from that era, and how uh, that's the really scary thing that's going on. Um, and these horror films are, are an escape from that. Um, but just, there's some, some lines and speeches about that, that, uh, you know, um, what was it? One of them, I I think uh, John Goodman was saying towards the end of the movie about how, you know, you know, the crisis was, was averted and was over and, you know, we're not going to get, we're not going to bomb them. They're not going to bomb us, whatever. And, and, uh, John Goodman's just like, yeah, you know, people were, People were scared now and things are better until the next thing that comes around and scares them or something along those lines. And man, just how crazy relevant that is through the next several decades, even leading up to today, you know, like there's there, you know, just the, the constant fear of the people who are in control and just taking us down the wrong path. And we have a fun side story about love and, you know, funny relationship stuff where the boyfriend's threatening his friend, you know, don't go out with her. So he tells her that he can't go see Coral with her and then runs into her at the movie theater. Uh, Pretty funny stuff. Run of the mill teenaged angst that, you know, everybody can relate to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very coming of age. A lot of great coming of age stuff. That's 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 definitely the thing. Uh, the words I was looking for, and when they're when they're listening to the record, and the mom comes in, and uh, you feel for the main character because you know you know his dad is uh, out there, you know, and he and back then it wasn't you know you just don't know. You, there's no communication, there was no hearing, and you know everybody sort of he came into school as a new kid, sort of the loser, and you know everybody sort of has a little bit of sympathy for him, and you know use that to 
sort of as a conversation starter almost. It seemed like everybody was in- interested in that. And then, you know, but it's just like I, I even remember before all these crazy times, like a lot of my life revolved around what movie was coming out when it was like, oh, you know, I can't <laughs> wait to go see this. And makes me miss it quite a bit, you know. I love the relationship between the two brothers in the beginning and just, you know, how the little brother obviously idolizes his older brother and his older brother picks on him, but, you know, with like trying to scare him and stuff with these movies, but, you know, he knows his brother can take it and it, he's not trying to, he's having fun picking on his brother, but not being mean and malicious about it. You know, but just that scene where they're walking home after going to the movies and, you know, there's like little key things that the older brother would say and the little the little brother would repeat. Very cute. And the, the one scene that made me laugh too was uh, another one uh, out of several was when the guy at the gas station was getting his autograph and he thanks so much, Mr. Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which and is his a- assistant laughs hysterically because she's like just rooting against him the whole movie. Which you know, poor William Castle, you know he had to deal with that shit too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That had to be taken from reality as well. But yeah, Matinee, great movie. I feel like it's kind of a forgotten Joe Dante film, so glad that uh, we can talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy, what's what's your movie? Okay, our next film comes to us from 1984, and in 3D, no less. This one is called Silent Madness. These conditions are inhuman. These patients are inhuman. We get all the weird ones, the real crazies. Releasing patients as disabled as Romano. I believe I know more about these matters than you do, Dr. Gilmore. Oh my God. They released the wrong man. Silent madness. suspense-filled voyage into the dark places of the mind. Inside your head, the screaming never stops. Silent madness. Rated R. Okay, Silent Madness, 1984. A criminally insane man is accidentally released from a mental hospital. The staff tries to cover up, but a young psychiatrist, played by Belinda Montgomery, uh, travels to the college town where he committed several murders uh, years before, and she wants to warn the locals and anticipate his arrival. Uh, this is this comes out from like a string of 3D films that were made in the 80s that they wanted to capitalize on, and then it went away like 3D does, like a bad fart every now and then. Um, 
basically, I think you had uh, Amityville 3D, Jaws 3D, this, and then the good 3D film that came out of that, which was uh, Friday the 13th. Um, I know that uh, some of you are going to rake this over the coals, but I like this movie, but I like it for the wrong reasons, because it takes all the good stuff from Halloween, Black Christmas, and Friday the 13th, and, and tr- tries to work it into one film. Um, let, let me put it to you like this. Um, I like all those films, but my, my analogy goes a little bit like this. It's like, I like Fruity Pebbles, and I like Chili, but I wouldn't put them in the same bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this, uh, I mean, they are our killer who, who comes back, you know, he's, you know, it's called silent madness for a reason, but he doesn't say, say anything. Apparently he just looks like a methed out janitor with like a lot of purple eyeliner on. And you've got like really demit, you've got like the worst sanitarium I've ever seen in my life with like the sleaziest orderlies, uh, just, I mean, they're they're even they're you know what it it's it could be argued that the the orderlies are like even more demented than the actual killer is. Um, yeah, this movie is it's it's pretty damn silly, but I think it, it I like it for that reason. And you've got a typical you know trope of like a very you know ignorant sheriff who apparently never leaves his office and he likes to drink on the job. And I love the fact that he's like the guy that wants his cigarettes from one, one flew, flew over the cuckoo's nest. I can't remember his name, but he said, piss on your rules, miss ratchet. I want my, I want my cigarettes. He doesn't say cigarettes. He says cigarettes, which is hilarious. Um, God, what else? Uh, the the old lady that uh runs the the sorority house yeah you know that she was going to be you know completely nuts and and she is i will say some of some of the cooler things that i did like was but but they still made no sense was the drill press to the head of the back of that orderly which you know i don't know why a drill press is down there um where these girls store their luggage is the most bizarre goddamn place <laughs> I've ever seen. Like, let's oh. let's just head down into this creepy boiler room. That's where we put our suitcases. <laughs> Tina was freaking out about that. It was ah uh, god. Uh, it's um some some good 3D came out of the 80s. You know, I mean it it it, it was dated, but the 3D stuff that I saw in this film was prehistoric. <laughs> Uh, just, yeah, it's really very posy. Like the, the time he threw the hatchet, which was just like, oh my God, what am I watching? Um, what, what version of this did you, do you have? I actually have the vinegar syndrome Blu-ray of this. Wow. Don't they have a version of it on that where you can watch it with the, the red and blue 3d glasses? Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't, I didn't watch it in that. Okay. Uh, uh, the one thing, and I'll, and I'll let you guys 
go ape shit on this thing here in a minute. But the one thing that I just found <laughs> that was so damn funny. Um, I'm from the sticks and I've shot shotguns before, but the fact that this guy came in there with a double barrel shotgun, <laughs> when his hands tied behind his back, he fires both triggers oh and I'm God. supposed to believe that shit. The recoil alone would have broke his goddamn wrists and it would have sent the shotgun into the hallway, but wow. Um, yeah, what it was, uh, Although, okay, w- one last thing. The one thing that I find very redeeming about this film, the blue shag interior of that van yeah. is so fucking awesome. <laughs> Made me I miss wanted... an old van I used to have. Oh my God, that's so pimp. That is the shagging wagon <laughs> of all shagging wagons. That thing is aw- I I was almost really pissed off that he started messing it up with a sledgehammer. But anyway, guys, go nuts. Rip it apart. Get not get crazy. Well, I suppose I could probably start when I say I loved this one. Of course you did. Of course you <laughs> did. Well, with with I'll say right off the bat, I'm a sucker for early '80s slasher films. The 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 look and the feel and the aesthetic of those movies, even the worst ones, will have a a little uh, little bit that I love here and there. But I'm gonna tell you this. This whole movie for me was worth it for the beginning of the movie when they are in the uh, sanitarium and they're in the open courtyard. There is a, an actress playing one of the patients in the background that is doing, his, she has her hands in these like parachute pants pockets and she's doing this. Really bit. important to the scene, and that's all you can watch in that scene. It was the best. Like I'm like, Brandy, check this out. We we wound it and watched it again just to watch her do this like thing in. You still don't know what dialogue happened. No, I have no idea. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's, it was so much fun. <laughs> it was a blast watching this this woman with uh, we call her crazy pocket lady. So uh, that for me it was worth the whole movie but um i wish i could have seen this in the in the 3d i might have to get the vinegar syndrome's blu-ray of this so i can watch it in 3d because i think it's still available cool cool i hope so um because i'm a sucker also for shitty cheesy you know pointing stuff right into the camera 3d shots like like this um i i enjoyed all those moments um the movie had um, Elizabeth Catane in it. Yeah. And uh, Barbara. Well, I'm confused because I could have sworn. So Brandy and I are watching it, right? And I see the girl on the skateboard and I'm like, that that's Elizabeth Catane. That's totally her. Um, you know, and Elizabeth Catane, she's from Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, Friday 13th Part 7. Uh, Saw the Killer Bimbos, Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. Done a lot of stuff in the 80s that I really love. Um, so, you know, we immediately look her up on, on IMDb and the picture for the, for the kill scene of the girl on the skateboard is the, is the profile picture for an actress named Solly Marks. And I'm like, Oh, I guess that wasn't Elizabeth Catan. And we we just keep watching and it's just bugging me. I'm like, I could have sworn that was her. So I looked it up again and then it does show Elizabeth Catan in the movie, um, in the credits of this movie. So I'm like. I was I'm confused on where Elizabeth Catan really was in this movie. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty cheesy slasher film, but I think to me, that's the charm of it. Just, it's, it was a lot of fun to watch. It's also got, uh, um, uh, Vivica Linford's, um, as Miss Collins. Uh, she was Aunt Bedelia in Creepshow. And then, yeah, Sydney Lassick as the sheriff, um, like what, what great casting there, casting him as a sheriff of this town. I thought it was hilarious. So there's just a lot of, a lot of fun I had in this movie. Um, I thought it was a, a lot of fun and funny, even though I'm pretty sure all the humor was unintentional. Um, but, uh, that's why I enjoyed it. Now you guys can tear it apart. Go ahead, Ted. <laughs> Oh, I don't know, man. Um, nope. <laughs> I think I prefer silence and madness over silent madness. Um, <laughs> that was a mic joke. Uh, Out of the park. Uh, well done. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, what's something nice to say? Uh, there was a few things like that um, entertained me, I guess, but. I, I I don't see any. Um, I can't believe you'd put this in the same sentence as you know Black Christmas and Friday Thirteenth. How dare you? <laughs> Credibility <Yeah>. trash can. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just saying they stole from it. I mean, it's just. Oh yeah. That's basically what they yeah. tried to do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I I don't know what do I even say about this because I watched it like three or four days ago and I don't remember much of it. Thank God. Um, when you said that vinegar syndrome probably still had copies, I don't imagine why they wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know who's right. buying this, right. um, besides you. Uh, but <laughs> and I, th- I think <laughs> I would rather drink vinegar. And I don't know. There's you too tried. Many. You tried. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I quit. I don't I don't have anything nice to say, so I won't say any more thing else. We'll, we'll let Jason. Move My mom here. told me that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. At least wait till they're out of the room, guys. Uh, um, all right, I'll try. I don't have anything good to say, so I'll try to just not be too mean. Um, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Um, at least you're not being too mean. Uh, it's like got the worst writing I've ever heard, the worst That's dialogue, the, some of the worst directing I've ever seen in a movie. I, in a heartbeat, give me any Tim Ritter shot on video movie 100% over this piece of shit. I hated it. I can't. <laughs> all right, I'm spiraling. Help me. Uh, it's uh, it sucks. Going. It's uh, I hate it. There is nothing. There is no redeeming quality about this. Turd. You have no idea how much you're entertaining me. Right no, now. I hated my life having <laughs> to watch this. I considered quitting the podcast having to watch this. I almost Tina almost broke up with me because I made her watch this. I got I got on my phone and watched videos of puppies dying because I, I felt it was better. It was uplifting compared to this turd. <laughs> Guys, stay away from this movie. Do not watch it. Do not waste your time. This movie on every single level sucks. I think you're selling it more uh, than you think. No, no, that's 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 fine. Well, that's that was my thing. Is like you know I don't even know what to say about it because. I I don't even have anything like it just has nothing like I, I it is empty to me this like takes, I forgot about it it's it just I I had a hard time even watch it like paying yeah, attention this takes I was yeah. yeah 
it's a last place for me. It, it's not entertaining yeah. to me at all. It's it's not all. It's not really that good. But it's, I mean, that's it's like so I have poorly a, made. On like I said, I like it for like I I have a like for it for all the wrong reasons. And I. Well, and it's not just because Tad set it up because he watched it first, I think, and he gave the best comment I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. All we got in our little chat thread is suddenly out of nowhere, Tad mentions Silent Madness and he says, should have kept that wrapped. <laughs> I just pissed my pants in and couldn't have been more right. Oh, Lord. Why? Why? I'm sorry. Oh, Andy. <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm definitely done. Sorry. I knew it was a bad sign when I found it to watch for free on YouTube. Like this, like no one cares enough about this movie to take it down. (laughs) Uh, They're not losing any money by keeping it on Uh, YouTube because no one's buying it. Um, There's no one who wants to take claim for it because if you try to take it down for copyright, that means you own it and you don't want to be the person who owns Silent Madness. So um, (laughs) if you want if you want to subject yourself to this, it's on YouTube for free and a decent I mean, I can't say decent quality because you could never start 4K. Right. You could you could put it in 4K and it's still going to be a piece of shit, maybe even worse. Um. (laughs) A new low, a new low. It, it, I have a shrink wrapper at work. If you'd like to send your <laughs> Blu-ray to me, and I can, I can wrap it back up, and we can pretend this never happened. <laughs> I would love. <laughs> oh Lord! Oh man! This was the first one I watched. It was S- save the Morse for first. <laughs> yeah, because then only go uphill from there, right? Exactly. You would hope. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, apparently we're can we move on? Divided yes. on yes. this one, so oh. we can move on. A, a house divided. <laughs> That's right. So my movie that I um or unwrapped for this episode is The Curse of La Lorna. La Lorna. Sure, I'm very sorry about your loss. It's your fault. I can't even imagine how you must feel. Your children. Mincing. Mincing. Are safe now. But have they heard her crying? Have they felt the sting of her tears? They will. And she will come for them. Who? Facing an evil. It 
Rinsing. La 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 Lorna. La 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 Lorna. I wonder how you'd pronounce it. La 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 Lorna. Anna ignores the warnings of a troubled mother suspected of child endangerment. Anna is a social worker who also just happens to be a single mother of two because, of course, she is. They don't see where this is going. Uh, well, we um, obviously don't see where that's going to go. Uh, she has the children taken away from the mother, fearing that the mother has been abusing the children. Anna and her kids start also experiencing supernatural things to the point where, you guessed it, her kids are being threatened to be taken away by social services as well. She teams up with a man who used to be a priest who helps the family get rid of Lolona at any cost. This movie's okay. Um, I was excited when I saw the star was uh, Linda uh, Cardellini. I love her and everything she does. Yep. Uh, all the way back to Freaks and Geeks, you know it. Um, you know, Scooby-Doo, absolutely. Um, I just kind of feel like, you know, there's some cool there's some cool moments in this movie. Um, you know, I, I I really love the the fake out uh in the beginning of the last act where um you think it's you think it's the ghost but it turns out to be somebody else creeping into the house. Um, but but overall, I just kind of felt like this movie was kind of just paint by the numbers, generic, modern ghost story type of thing. So they sort of have a formula now for this is in the Conjuring universe, I believe. Oh, that's yeah, that's right. It is. That's yeah. one of the reasons why, um, why I picked it, uh, cause, um, uh, you know, we, uh, Brandy and I grabbed a bunch of movies, put them in stack and like, well, well, which one? And we narrowed it down to this one. And she's been wanting to, um, just kind of watch, watch them all in chronological order. And, um, and so this is one that was completely even off my radar that we had no idea that this was part of that universe, but it, I guess it is. So, yeah, to me, it falls in that realm of the nun where I'm like, you sort of said it's paint by the numbers. I, I feel bad because I like I really enjoy the cast. It has a dude from Breaking Bad, uh has uh just it has some heavy moments to it and it has some pretty decent scenes. It's well made. That's one thing I can mm. appreciate about this like compared to, you know, in the scale of this episode, it's a fucking Oscar movie, but uh <laughs> normal normal world, you know, this is something that I would stop and watch on stars like at two AM uh when it's halfway through or something. Um it's it's fine. Again, it's fine, but not something I'll ever need to watch again. Uh but it's it's well made. It's a pretty movie. It's it's cl- like you said, they have a formula. They stick to it and accomplish it, but it's a bunch of jump scares. I'm not a big ghost movie person anyways. So yeah. uh, I had that going against it, but I, I thought the heavy stuff of like where the two kids 
um, you know, or mm-hmm. when we first sort of learn about the curse and then she find they find them drowned. That was a, an emotional moment, no matter yeah. how heartless you are. It's yeah. fucking sad. Oh yeah. And you know, the grief she feels and then her kids like that, that scene was probably stand out to me. Um, when she, when she goes to visit the scene and her kids are in the car and they're getting, uh, attacked by Lorena and it's like, Oh, you know, that, that was probably like my favorite sequence. Just, it was heavy. And then she was coming after them, but I just, I, I find the whole like ghost thing, even if it's in a different, and, and it felt like this movie didn't have enough culture to it. Like for the, the culture, this story comes out of, it felt very Americanized. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, that's true. I was, I was thinking you were talking maybe the time period because I mean, Brandy pointed it out. It's like the movie takes place in the seventies and there's it does not feel really, like yeah. It, Lin- no, Linda's yeah, clothes, maybe those pants. Well, and you get a few things here and there, like a Volkswagen but, yeah. bug car but and the conjuring, and they, but. like it thinks conjuring two does it like perfectly. Yep. It really yep. nails it. And it, it makes a difference if it, it doesn't, I did not feel I was in that era at all. No. And, no. Uh, and I'm, I think, well, for me and I, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm rather surface about these things, but for me, the seventies is all about gaudy colors and, you know, and whatnot. And this is another one of those movies where they just kind of flush out all the color. Yeah. Very drab. So, yeah, like I said, all, all a lot of great ingredients and sometimes it's like a okay dinner, but not the great dinner. It could have been completely yeah, that, agree. It had, yeah. It had potential. Um, it's just, uh, I guess my major problem is some of the character development could have been better, I think. Um, particularly, and I like Raymond Cruz, but I mean, his character was just, his was very just uh, cut and dry. I you thought know? he was, he was one of my favorite parts. He's so funny. Raphael character, especially there at the end and stuff. Well, it's just, yes, no, oh, I did this. I found him yeah. super funny. Yeah. I, I honestly, I enjoyed him too. I, he was probably my favorite part. You know? I, I don't know. I just, I felt, I felt like it fell. It was dry fell flat yep. for me. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. Uh, but I, I agree. I mean, it had, it, I wanted, I, I left this movie feeling I, I wanted more. I I don't know. It's just like it's like these guys said it was okay. It kind of felt like we look what we thought about you know the forest. It was just it was very yep. jump scary and it's just I mean it's adequate. There's nothing wrong with this movie, but it's just so for it, a younger it audience then yeah probably more of a high schoolers going to make out at the theater. And, it did very well. Or this would do well at like a slumber party with a bunch of girls. Like mm-hmm. I, I well put they would, well said. You, scream at the, the ghost the jump scares it's made for that audience it's not made for us i don't think and there is a version of not this movie but this tale on on shutter and you can get a free month with aotkp code but um uh there's a version of this story on there and i believe it's actually you know in spanish and it's i think it was nominated for a golden globe and on shortlist for oscars for best foreign language film so Apparently that's the one we should have unwrapped, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm with you guys. Totally. Uh, I'm not a big ghost guy. I was so happy to see Linda Cardellini in a lead role. So happy for her. Um, I also like, like James Wan's presence was in that trailer where he's like, let's use my score guy. Right. Could you (laughs) tell that? I mean, that music in there was really good. 
But uh, yeah, I I'm with you. I'm not a ghost guy, but like, uh, 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 I really like the movie. I think that like here's I think what it is for me. Yes, it's the jump scare stuff that's like come on, you know, is like a little lame, but every part of this movie that was a hundred percent practical, I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. But the second you kind of like morph that lady's face, the second that you use CGI to make a jump scare, like I just, just every time they do this ghost stuff and they use CGI with it, it just, I have a heart. Not, not, I don't mean to be like a, a practical truther and a hater of CGI. I just, but in these horror movies that do a lot of jump scary stuff, I loved when it was all practical. I it just I felt there and I felt scared and wrapped up in the story. And just the second they get a little CGI in there, it's just harder for me to. I don't know, takes me out a little bit. That- I thought the like flashback to the original story was really cool and. Once again, using practical effects of her, like, you know, covering her face. And yeah. it wasn't, there was nothing, like, not ghosty, because she wasn't a ghost at that point, you know, and she's drowning mm-hmm. the kids. And I'm yeah. like, Jesus, I want, yeah. I want to see more of this. And, oh. and then, you know, I'm thinking, like, Erica's going to love this one because she's drowning the kids. Yep. Um, yep. But you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a little too modern for her. So probably not. Um, yeah. But, you know, every time a kid dies on screen, I think of her. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> She's got her niche. Yeah. I've killed the children. I mean, I like Linda Cardellini, and I think she's a good actress, and she's got a screen presence I, I enjoy. Oh, but man, there's that scene. Where they play the Scooby-Doo? Oh, that was awesome. I <laughs> her in it? You yeah. liked that? <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, I groaned yeah. a little, but... But no, it was... Um, it's that It's that scene that, of course, they have to have where she's in her office room or whatever and looking at the picture of her dead husband and you know and caresses the picture and starts to cry and does the thing with the necklace and puts the necklace in a little box and i'm just like oh god of course this movie has this scene in it and i just i rolled my eyes you know i obviously not the effect that they were going for and i <laughs> again i think she's a good actress so i don't blame the performance i blame the writing um but that scene to me encapsulated everything that i just felt like this movie just it had like okay we have we have to have this in this ghost movie we have to have this in this ghost movie so we got to have this the emotional scene of the the dead loved one and whatnot. So, yeah. I thought the kids did a great job. Yeah, the kids were good. Uh, both sets of kids, the opening scene kids and the, or the, not the opening, but the first mom's kids. And the first mom was great too. When she came back, mm-hmm. she was scary and she was great. That's what I'm saying. I think was, that was one of the strongest points of the movie is when, yeah. when that woman comes back into the movie in the third act. And as much as I was like, okay, I'm predicting everything that's going to happen up to this point because it's so, you know, cookie cutter, but when it get but that point, that moment caught me off guard. So, I was like, yeah, I gave the movie definitely kudos uh-huh. for that cuz I did not see that part coming. I also felt like there were 47 Llorona movies that came out just besides that. I, What's I that? Think so. What's that one company that does 
a ripoff of everything. <laughs> Asylum. Yeah. Asylum. I felt like there were two or three of those too. And I'm like, when Mike picked this, I'm like, oh no, which one is it? I'm never going to find the right one. And is this, and, and, but when it, when they first started coming out, I thought I'd heard that there was a good, it was good. And then the end of the year reviews came in and like, it didn't do so good. And I'm like, well, which one was good? Which one, how many is there? I don't know. That's why I included yeah. the picture of the cover. Yes, that's when what I- <laughs> helped, yeah. And I sort of wonder, like, I, I could easily probably do a quick Google search, but um, did we just, like, is this just James Wan, like, you know, cashing in on the Conjuring thing with the, this and the nun, all this stuff, like, we're just going out and grabbing all these old, um, myth, like, mythological stories, like these crazy old, you know, lores, I guess you could say, and, yeah. and now they're under this umbrella, and he knows it's like printing cash. So good for him. <laughs> and you know, if this makes another conjuring movie happen, that's good. Good for him. And like I said, it's not necessarily for us. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I accept that, you know, the, this movie is not for me, but it has an audience and it's not like, it, it's not so bad. It offends me like uh silent no. madness. So offended. <laughs> yeah, this movie did really, 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 really well. Budget was 9 million worldwide cumulative. 123. Nice. Wow. Nice. Good for them. Holy and, balls. Wow. Good for them to make a, make this movie on only a $9 million budget. Yeah. You know, for being a... Uh, Pretty slick for that. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's just a bummer because I so wanted to just dive into the Wanniverse. I loved yeah. how all of it was, you know, connected, connected universe. You know, I love that shit. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if it's just like I just can't connect with the ghost story stuff or they just all started to seem like the same thing over and over again. Um but I I've lost a lo- I've lost all interest in it kind of. Um I mean, I'm still curious to see if like they're going to connect cuz all these off films, offshoot films like the Annabelle films and the Nun and all that, all that still connects to the Conjuring movies, which is great. So I would love to still see how this is going to still connect into that storyline. I hope it does. I hope it just Stay wasn't tuned. like, yeah. yeah. So that's it, guys. That's that's it, gang. That is uh, those are our movies that we have unwrapped. Um, I don't know about you guys, uh, but that's one more down out of about five hundred more to go. Yeah, out of my collection. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, but don't worry, listeners, there is still more Attack of the Killer podcast to go. We're going to take a quick break so you can hear about our podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Now, with over 20 shows on the network and even more to come, check them all out at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back, and when we do, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer podcast. Talk to you in a sec. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.
Welcome back. We missed you. Did you miss us? How come you never call? Uh, now it's time for segments portion of the show, and I'm going to turn it over to Jason with shoutouts. It's time for shoutouts. All right, it's time to hear from you listeners. What movies are still on your shelf wrapped in plastic? Let's get into it. Up it's first, time to judge. That's, that's exactly right. That's what that means. Uh, up first on our Facebook page, we got Don and Nelly. You know hey, that guy's working through a list. He says, <laughs> not sure if this truly counts, but I received City of the Living Dead, The Church, and Grave Robbers through Christmas gift card redemptions just today and haven't unwrapped them at this point. Although I've oh, okay, seen each of the films before. Oh, okay. And so that sort of doesn't so, okay. count. But unseen and unwatched uh, would be stuff from Wild Eye. I got a screeners I haven't seen yet, including House on Elm Lake, Watch Us Die, Russell Maniac, and Darkest Die. Uh, among others, from a batch I got about a month ago, I still have to finish going through. Only a month. I have years of dust on some of these. <laughs> all right. Speaking of dusty things, Brian Clark's up next. <laughs> That's all I could do. That's all I had. Uh, he says, ooh, the blood-spattered bride, Web of oh. the Spider, The Intruder, the one with Yvonne DiCarlo. The Paul Nashi Collection, Volume 2. And although they're technically not wrapped anymore because I have started working my way through it, most of the stuff on the recent Mill Creek Hammer Collection. Heck yeah. Nice. Nick Leadham's up next. He says, don't torture a duckling and deep red. Nick. Oh, Nick. Come on. A couple of Italian greats there. He says, been buying a, buying a lot of Giallo movies, and I'm trying to save the best for last. Ooh. Oh, That's okay. a tough thing okay, to do, okay. and okay. those are a couple good ones. Yeah, I love "Don't Torture a Duckling." It's uh, especially, you know, if uh, if a child abuse is a touchy subject for you, you probably shouldn't watch it. But oh, and Deep Red's so good with its uh, gore and that music. That score is one of the best Goblin ones. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, "I did finally see the third Phantasm movie, but still haven't seen the others." You're fine to stop there. Don't see Ravager. Uh, <laughs> still haven't seen Horrors of Malformed Men. Oh, me neither. Nice. Um, and there are more, but I'm not home to look. Oh, <clears throat> House 2. <laughs> cool. House 2 is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got the Reebster, Mike Reeb. Reebster. He says, uh, my Herschel Gordon Lewis Feast Blu-ray box set. <gasps> that lucky son of a bee. And the oh fl- my god, Mike, get on that. It's that those movies are awesome. Yeah, so Mike can borrow it when you're done. <laughs> and the Fly Collection box set. Oh, cool. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, we got one more on here uh from the Brett and Tony guys from Abe, but uh we're I'm gonna save that one for last. Uh, we're gonna jump over to the uh group edition. Got a couple on there. We got Tim Lennerer. He says VHS. Oh, cool. Okay. Which is going to get unwrapped in time for a future Huber Sween. <laughs> and then we got... Well, what? I, I was saying, Andy has some VHS to unwrap, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I bet he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Definitely. I just recently rewatched VHS. When oh. I say recent, it was probably about four or five months ago. But yeah, I, I, I forgot how much I love those movies. Those are good. Yeah. yeah. 
Then we got attacker Peter Parker. He's up next. He says, way too many unseen discs on my shelf. Although most of them are unwrapped by now. How do you unwrap it and then not watch it? That's that's <laughs> weird. Dude, you know how I I know you I am. I unwrap, you know, if I buy a movie at the store, um I'll unwrap it in the oh, car. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, see, I recently got a hammer box set that includes the horror of Frankenstein, scars of Dracula, blood from the mummy's tomb, demons of the mind, straight on till morning, fear in the night, and Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Ooh, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, Roman, get on that. Over on Twitter, we got uh, a large moving torb. At Z underscore V-I-L-D-R-O-H-A-R. However the hell you pronounce that. Uh, he says, Mexico Babaro is still unwrapped. Yeah. Whatever that is. And then over on Instagram, um, we got customers also watched. Erica had to get hers in there. She says, Polanski's The Tenant. Oh, man. Oh, man. The movie's so good. I just watched it not too long ago. So dang good. There's a movie from that era that Jason has seen and she hasn't. What? Weird. Ha <laughs> ha. I called you out. Um, all right. So back to this big one. So Abe, Abe says, I found this unwatched gem on my shelves, uh, Grindhouse Experience, a 20 film feature collection containing titles such as Violent Professionals, Demon Witch Child, and High School Hitchhikers. How could I not blind buy it? In the spirit of Unwrapped and Solidarity, Brett, Tony, Ashland, and Abe uh, have agreed to watch any title of our collective choosing. All 20 titles are unseen and fair game. Insane Mike, do your worst. <laughs> so yeah, there's some, there's some titles on here. The one that Whoa, jumps out I to me first it. is The Children. And if that's <laughs> the one, that's uh, one of my nightmare films from childhood that I could <laughs> never watch again. And it scares the holy hell out of me. So if it is the same children, um, it'd be from 78, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, somewhere late 70s, early 80s, about these children that when they hug you, they make you explode. So movie description <laughs> right there alone should make you want to watch it. But what else we got on this set? Well, they're all right there, Mike. I should have pulled it that. up. I tried to tell you <laughs> before the episode. We got Women's Camp 119. Tortured Angels, Savage Man slash Savage Beast, Raw Force. I feel like that one. <gasps> Is that the Raw Force? Oh, I don't know. That, yes, the Raw Force. Confessions of a Police Captain, Executioner 2, Poseidon Explosion, Earthquake 7.9, Violent Professionals, Frank and Tony. See, that's the one everyone thought <laughs> the Brett and Tony podcast should watch Frank and Tony, but is that fair to Brett? I don't know. Uh, Kung Fu Death of Death. Kung Fu Punch of Death, Return of the Tiger, Go Kill and Come Back. I just like that title. I don't know anything about it. Bounty Man, Three Tough Guys, Mandinga, The Children, Demon Witch Child, High School Hitchhikers, Carry On Emmanuel. Hmm. Anybody else have any thoughts? Seen any of those? I have no No. idea. I haven't seen any, so I take your... uh... I trust in your judgment. He, they asked for your um, judgment there, yeah. say Mike, and I think uh, do your thing, you got to do your worst. Yeah. 
Okay, I am definitely going to hands down, even though <laughs> the children would be cool. Yeah. Um, no. The uh, raw force. Yeah, uh, Raw oh. Force is definitely my pick, but there was that there's that Nazi exploitation film on there too that I think I've seen. I think that might be a movie I was going to talk about a little later. Um but uh, Raw Force is definitely is definitely beats them all. That's got to be the best movie out of that whole. If it's the same mm. one um that I'm thinking of uh which is from 80, I'm trying to pull it up, but my phone's not cooperating, uh, from 1982, and it's got Cameron Mitchell in it, so sold right there, but it's a bizarre, batshit crazy like action horror film. <laughs> um, a group of martial artist students en route to an island supposedly is the ghost of martial artists who have lost their honor. <laughs> a... <clears throat> Hold on, oh no! A Hitler lookalike and his gang are running a female slavery operation on the island as well. Soon, the two groups meet, and all sorts of crazy things happen. That's the IMDb description. Um, but yeah, um, the movie. Wow. The, the minute they get on the boat to the time the credits roll when all the action takes place on the island, it is go time. There's some crazy kung fu action that goes on on the boat. You get some really uh, amazing scenes with like these zombies and Nazis and whatnot on the island. It's just insane. I can't even describe how nutty this movie is, but uh, um, I freaking love it. Uh, that's hands down the pick. This looks incredible. Wow. You guys, uh, good luck. And I can't wait to hear that episode. Oh, I can't wait either. All right. So and everyone else, you can always give us a call on our voicemail and we'll play your voicemail on the show. Let us know what your unwrapped film is or any other comments you may have. You can give us a call at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP and that's shout outs. All right. Thank you, Jason. Welcome, and Mike. now, if you would like to hear some real master thespians at their craft, You'll have to go somewhere else because it's time for Recasting with Christian Slater. Salutations, and welcome to the perpetual acid trip that is my life, called Recasting with Christian Slater. So, let's just tear this band-aid off as quick as we fucking can now, shall we? Um, tonight we're gonna revisit another Rob Zombie film, and apparently it's one of Jason Bollinger's favorites. It's, uh... House of a Thousand Corpses, oh, so let, let's get going. In the studio today, playing the role of Captain Spaulding, we have series favorite Don Knotts. <laughs> Reston, my family misses me. I'm sure they do. 
new to the show playing the role of Stucky, taking time off of his quest for worldwide domination, really needs no introduction because he's been ruling this army of men trying to take over the world. It's Cobra Commander. Thank you very much, Christian. I will show Destro and that four-eyed bimbo with the nice rack what a great despian I am. The Baroness? Yeah, her too. (laughs) (sighs) Playing the role of Rich. Against my better judgment, they've cast him again. Is Gary Busey. Now, against my better judgment as well, I gotta ask Gary, why is there a cast on your foot? I am so glad you asked, Christian. See, I was hoping to get in a better connection with my fans, so I went and decided to have my own sex toy made. What? Yes, exactly. What I do is they take little Gary and they put in... You don't need to give me a fucking crash course in the manufacturing of sex toys. How'd you break your goddamn foot? I'm getting there. Now, you see, I realize that many of the materials are quite expensive, the synthetics, the rubbers, and whatnot. So I tried all sorts of things. Wax was a disaster. So... My next logical step was concrete. The next logical step was concrete. (laughs) Precisely. Now, I got it all made out and all ready to go, and I accidentally dropped it on my foot. Damn thing broke. My foot and and the dildo. Uh, Are you saying to me, that you broke your foot with a concrete dildo. Precisely. Uh, I don't know what's more shocking, the fact that somebody broke their foot with a concrete dildo, or the fact that I'm not shocked that you broke your foot with a concrete dildo. <laughs> I know it's a real chicken or the egg situation. No, goddammit, it's not. It's nothing like that. Concrete dildos. I wonder if Cobra could weaponize such a thing. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Moving on to our last character playing by... Playing the role of Carl. You may remember him from Saturday morning cartoons. He had a sidekick named Rocky. I can't believe he's actually here. Bullwinkle the Moose. Uh, thank you, and it is a pleasure to be here amongst all you good people. I am very, very excited. This is my first role. Hey, Bessie. I think the makeup lady went a little heavy on the powder. I'm glad you noticed. Um, you see, uh, my heart is racing, and, um, I haven't blinked for the past 15 minutes. I'm a little concerned about that. (laughs) <laughs> hey, Moosey, come here. <laughs> Let me get a little bit off that antler right there. <clears throat> you have got the most beautiful 
nostrils I have ever seen. I am very envious. They are so large. <laughs> Tell me something. What is it like working at Wally World? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Let's just go. Let's just go. I got to get this over with. I got shit to do. All right. Here we go. Is everybody ready? More than ready. Let's do this. All right. Interior, Captain Spaulding's night. Inside is a poor man's Ripley's Believe It or Not. Bizarre props and treasures of killers and monsters cover the dirty walls. Wax figures of Jack the Ripper stand guard before oil paintings of John Wayne Gacy. Perched on the stool behind the counter sits Captain Spaulding, a crusty-looking old man in a filthy clown suit and smeared makeup. The word love is tattooed across his right knuckles and hate is tattooed across his left. He's reading the newspaper, crunching on crackers from a paper bag and half-hearty listening to a small, nerdy man wearing Coke-bottle glasses named Stucky. Stucky thumbs through a stack of autographed 8x10 photographs. I got this back stack today, some nice shots. See a good topless June Wilkinson. Unfortunately, she personalized it. To Stucky, love June. Hmm. Shit, this isn't worth nothing now. They've gotten my name all over it. I was fixing on Trignick to Jackie Cobb. That retard over at Molly's fruit stand? Yeah, he's hot Arthur. He's all hot Arthur. After he found some of his aunt's old nudie books hidden in the basement. He keeps them taped inside his school workbook. Spaulding brushes cracker crumbs off his paper and continues reading. Fascinating. That kid is one horny retard. Christ, they all are. All them retards want to do is eat and fuck. Well, yeah, I think that if you knew him, I mean, if you understand his urges, shit, the guy's like 40 or something. Worse than a fucking rabbit baboon! Yeah, I guess, you know, to the whack of his weasel, his other favorite thing is twisting sharpened pencils in the corner of his eyes! What? Yeah, he doesn't hurt himself, he just spins it around next to his eyeball. I'm sure that's not the only place he's sticking those pencils. Nah, he don't do anything else with them, but he gets caught. But he did get caught once with the Planet of the Apes doll hanging out of his asshole. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> had to take him to the hospital. Kid had Dr. Zayas stuck halfway up his butt. Couldn't get him out. <laughs> I always loved that mute broad that Charlton Heston was shacking up with. Nova? Yeah, she looked pretty sweet. Yeah, now there's the perfect woman. Can I get some stamps up? Yeah, did you fix the toilet yet? <laughs> Spaulding opens a drawer and tears off five stamps. Yes, I did. Now don't go stuffing no any goddamn paper towels down that hole. I just snicked the shit out of that thing. S Spaulding slides the key attached to a cow school across the counter. Stucky grabs it. Spaulding hangs on. You hear me? You bust that crap or I'll beat your ass! <laughs> I hear ya! He lets go with a key. Exterior, Captain Spaulding's night. From a stranger's point of view, we watch through the window. 
<clears throat> Stucky exits to for the restroom. <clears throat> All clear. Let's go shopping. Right. From this point of view, we race across the highway towards the front door of the museums. Slam! We bust through the door. Interior. Spaldings. The moment of impact. Boom! The door smashes open. Spaulding's head jerks up to see a masked gunman, Carl, wearing a leather S&M mask. Behind him stands a second gunman, Rich, wearing a rubber caveman mask. Merry fucking Moses! Get the fuck out of here! Hold it, clowny! Keep your paws where I can see them! Yeah, don't move, or I'll blast a hole the size of a Kansas City Wallaberry watermelon through your bug, ugly bozo-ass face. Spalding obeys and raises his hands. What the fuck does that mean? Well, you see, the average size... God damn it, Gary, stop ad-limbing. <laughs> Righto. Righto. <laughs> Carl, you're up. Moose boy, you're up. Go grab that other asshole out of the shitter and drag his ass back in here. Right. Rich exits. <laughs> Miserable little cunts with guns, I ought to jump over this counter and bash your fucking balls in. Keller Carl steps up and puts his gun against Spalding's case. All right, Tippy, hand over the cash box and I might leave your brains inside your skull. Spalding smiles wide, his teeth are yellow and rotted. Spalding foot kicks a red switch, triggering a silent alarm. That's what you bitches need! A reality check courtesy of my boot in your ass! That'll be a cash box you can cry to your mama about! Interior, stalling Spalding's back room. A red light flashes in the dim glow. We see Ravelli, a large hunch figure sitting on the edge of the bed. The figure is heavily bandaged. Ravelli reaches, reacts to the flashing light. He rises and puts a huge mask over his head. He exits the room. Interior, bathroom, stall, night. Stucky sits on the toilet, pasting stamps on large yellow envelopes. Killer Rich kicks open the stall, grabs Stucky by the necks, and pulls him out. Come on, fat boy. Exterior, Spalding's night. We move around the outside of the building, watching the scene inside unfold. Heavy breathing and hurt is heard. Rich drags Stucky into the main room. Interior, Spalding's night. Carl grows increasingly hostile, knocks a candy display over, raises his gun over his head, and fires into the ceiling. That's it! I'm going to count to ten, and you're going to hand over the cash, or I'm going to splatter your grease-paint mug all over the state line! One! Fuck your mother! <laughs> Two! Fuck your sister! <laughs> Come on, man, just, just shoot him! <laughs> hey, I know you! You were in high school together! Woodshop, right? Richard Rick! He looks, at nervous, looks nervously at Stucky. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Quiet down. Three. Fuck your grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I remember Mr. Alcott, the shopkeeper, used to call you little dickwick. Hey, wasn't there a song made up to go without? Shut up. Little dickwick, play with this brick. Don't the smell just make you sick? 
Exterior Spalding's night. From Ravelli's point of view, we watch through the window as everybody inside starts shouting at each other. Suddenly, Rich shoots Stucky. Stucky Rich falls backwards against the wall, screaming in pain. We quickly, we move quickly towards the entrance. Interior, Spalding's night. Suddenly, crash, Ravelli smashes through the front door, knocking Carl to the ground. In the light, we see that Ravelli is wearing an oversized clown head and his hand is a sledgehammer. Rich turns towards the commotion. The captain quickly whips out a gun and fires. Rich falls dead. Ravelli lunges at Carl, smashing him over the head with a hammer. Ravelli's clown head comes loose and falls to the floor. Now that we see... Ravelli is a bald pit bull of a man with badly scarred skin that is painted white and red. Carl hits the floor and begins convulsing violently. Spalding steps down from the counter, puts his foot on Carl's throat and points his pistol at Carl's head. And most of all, fuck you! Boom! Spalding shoots Carl in the head. The screen explodes red and turns black. God damn it, the motherfucker got blood over my best clown suit. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, that's that's the end of this episode. Hey, Cobra Man, can I borrow your mirror? That's my faceplate, you horse tooth hat. Wait, get the hell away from me. Why do you have a credit card? <laughs> God, yeah. This is Charlie Sheen for Attack of the Killer Podcast. Wait a minute. No. What planet am I on? I think some of that coke got off the moose's head. Time once again for another Insane Picks Hall of Fame. He is known as the master of Italian ripoff movies. He's been called the Italian Ed Wood, constantly using stock footage, soundtrack borrowing, bad acting, and silly dialogue within his productions. Ripping off such classics as Terminator, Alien, Jaws, The Thing, Dawn of the Dead, and even Zombie, a move a movie that itself is cashing in on Dawn of the Dead. Yes, this episode's inductee to the Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, Bruno Mattei. Born in 1931, Bruno Mattei grew up in Rome, Italy, where his father owned a small film editing studio. At the age of 20, Bruno uh, started working odd jobs for his father's company. He wanted to follow in his father's footsteps as a film editor. According to Matei, he had edited over a hundred films between the 1960s and the early 70s. After working with famed Spanish director Jess Franco, <clears throat> Matei moved moved on up to the director's chair with the film. Here we go. I'm going to try this. Il Drama di Una Spaza. From 1970, uh, under the alias Jordan B. Matthews. Now, Bruno would use dozens of pseudonyms, pseudonyms throughout his career. Uh, in 1977, he made not one, but two low-budget Nazi exploitation movies, Women's Camp 119 and Private House of the SS, a.k.a. SS Girls. Matei continued to make films in all sorts of genres, from porno films, women in prison films, nunsploitation films, even mondo shockumentaries, all directed under many pseudonyms, such 
with such films as Mondo Erotico from 1973, uh, The True Story of the Nun Monza in 1980, and The Other Hell in 1981. Now, those last two films I mentioned first involved a partnership with writer-director writer director Claudio Frasgio. Uh, yes, that Claudio, Troll 2 fame, who helped him write and direct the back-to-back productions. This is a partnership that would continue throughout both of their careers. Other aliases Bruno would use was probably his most famous um, alias was Vincent Don, which he used for the first time when he directed Hell of the Living Dead in 1980, also known as Night of the Zombies, also known as Virus. The film, which is the most well, I think his probably his most well-known film is also his biggest ripoff film yet. See, Hell of the Living Dead is a low-budget zombie picture that some some say rip off other, um, some say rip off, some say inspired other from other zombie movies such as Dawn of the Dead and Lucio Fulci's Zombie. Bruno leaves no stone unturned in this movie when it comes to borrowing from his for his art. It was filmed in Spain and used stock jungle footage from the 1974 film, here we go, uh, Nuvoia uh, Guinea, uh, Eliasio de Canabia, Canabala. Oh my God. Claudio wanted to, uh, wanted Goblin to score the film, but they were asking for way too much money. So Claudio and Bruno, Claudio and Bruno decided to reuse Goblin's score from Dawn of the Dead instead. Even the movie's poster art has a zombie on it that is very similar to the zombie head on the poster for City of the Living Dead, also from 1980. And then Bruno would later reuse this design one last time in his final film, Zombies the Beginning, in the year 2007. Some of the other, some of my other favorite Bruno Mattei films include Rats Night of Terror from 1984, Robo Wars in 1988, which is a combination ripoff of Predator, Robocop, and Rambo. Then there was also Shocking Dark from 1989. Oh, I'm sorry, I meant Terminator 2. And my newest favorite movie of his, the ultra bizarre Night Killer from 1990, which is a wonderful Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff by a man who obviously had never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. In the year 2007, his health began to decline rapidly after he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. He had an operation uh, to have the tumor removed, but after the operation, Bruno fell into a coma and died a few days later on May 21st, 2007, at the age of 75. There are those out there, like Jason, who consider his films to be cheap and technologically inept due to, in large part, of their low budgets and poor production values. I consider Bruno Mattei to be one of an influential cult film director for many fans from all over the world. His willingness to break taboos is one of the qualities that makes Bruno stand out as a schlock filmmaker. What he lacks in budget and quality is more than made up for in its pure insanity to the eyes. That is why Bruno Mattei is our most recent inductee into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. And then that is it, folks. That is it for another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Special thanks to all you attackers out there. 
Your support helps keep the show going. And thanks to all the listeners out there. Remember, keep physical media alive, keep growing your collection, even if you don't open them until you have an excuse to watch it, like, oh, I don't know, recording a podcast. Talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. See ya. Oh no, could this be the end of? What? <laughs>